So as they're talking, Moses asks God for his name. He says, I'm going to these people and they're going to want to know who it is that sent me. And this is important because even in Egypt, there were many gods who had different names. And up to now, God had not revealed a personal name to the children of Israel. He has called himself the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but not a specific name. And so here we get it from God. God says to Moses, I am who I am. And he says, you shall say this to the children of Israel. The I am has sent me to you. Verse 15 says, moreover, God said to Moses, thus you shall say to the children of Israel, the Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. And this is my memorial to all generations. Verse 16, go and gather the elders of Israel together and say to them, the Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, of Isaac and of Jacob appeared to me saying, I have surely visited you and seen what is done to you in Egypt. And I have said, I will bring you up out of the affliction of Egypt to the land of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites to a land flowing with milk and honey. Verse 18 says this, then they will heed your voice and you shall come, you and the elders of Israel to the king of Egypt, and you shall say to him, the Lord God of the Hebrews has met with us. And now please let us go three days journey into the wilderness that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. But hear what he says in verse 19. But I am sure, the Lord is saying this, but I am sure that the king of Egypt will not let you go. No, not even by a mighty hand. So I will stretch out my hand and strike Egypt with all my wonders, which I will do in its midst. And after that, he will let you go. And I will give this people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. And it shall be when you go that you shall not go empty handed. But every woman shall ask of her neighbor, namely of her who dwells near her house, articles of silver, articles of gold, and clothing, and you shall put them on your sons and on your daughters. So you shall plunder the Egyptians. And I chose to read that instruction from the Lord, that description from the Lord verbatim, because I want you to to see um, some of the main things that God says to Moses. He lets him know what the plan is, including that he knows that Pharaoh is not going to let the people go unless it's with a strong hand. So he's letting Moses know what is involved in this process. And even to the point where he says at the end that they're going, the Israelites are going to get favor. And when they leave, they're not going to leave empty handed. And I am so glad that God lets Moses know that because he gives them even with a glimpse into the difficulties that will come, he gives them a surety of the victory. They will come out and they will come out plentiful. They're going to come out so laden with jewels and gold and silver. This is what God says to Moses. He reveals to him, the I am has sent you. 
there's no equivalent to God. And so if you use an equation, you'd have I am on one side equals I am on the other side. There is no other person that can that can compare to who God is. He has no equal. So his name is basically his description. He is the I am. The I am that I am. And within that name, you see that God is completely independent. He is completely self-sufficient. He doesn't rely on anything for his own existence. And we see that even in um, Genesis, when he creates, he doesn't need anything to come and, and, and be presented to him in order for him to start. He speaks a thing and he creates it because within God is a source of life. He's completely, completely self-sufficient. So this is the plan that God has. And as we move into chapter four, we see that God sends Moses to Pharaoh. Moses says in verse one, but suppose they will not believe me or listen to my voice. Suppose they say the Lord has not appeared to you. So Moses is concerned. <laughs> let's, let's put it mildly. He is concerned that either the elders won't believe him, the people won't believe him, and Pharaoh definitely is not going to believe him. Because in, in Egypt, ancient Egypt, the pharaohs, the kings, were seen as gods themselves. They're representatives of the son God. And so God speaks to Moses and outlines to him the signs and the wonders that he's going to allow Moses to, to do or to um, instruct or to, to bring to pass. And he lets him know that his rod is going to turn into a serpent, that his hand um, is going to be able to turn leprous and then clean again, and that water will turn into blood. So just an outline of some of the signs that God is giving Moses that he can show to Pharaoh that, that God is here and wants his people to be let go. In verses 10 to 14, Moses said to the Lord, oh, my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither before nor since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. So he is, he's seeing all that God is asking him to do. And also the idea that he has to go not only to the Israelites or to the elders of Israel, but to, to the Pharaoh himself to go before the Pharaoh and to, to share or to um, release this word of the Lord. And Moses is like, I can't speak well. Now, this is very interesting because yes, there's re uh, there are researchers who say that, you know, there's something wrong with his tongue or he wasn't able to articulate, but, but the, the Bible shows something a little bit different because yes, he grew up in Pharaoh's house and yes, he probably got the best of education and the best of um, training. And when you read way down in the new, in, in later on the Bible in the New Testament, Acts chapter seven, verse 22, here's what it says. And Moses was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was mighty in words and deeds. You see what Acts chapter seven says in the recounting of Moses's life. So here we are seeing that whether he didn't believe it of himself or he was looking for different things to show why he should not have been the one. He says this to the Lord that he can't speak. He's slow of speech and slow of tongue. But verse 11, the Lord says to him, who has made man's mouth? Or who makes the mute, the deaf, the seeing, or the blind? Have not I the Lord? 
So God is just blowing open every excuse or every reason that Moses gives. And he continues on and says, now, therefore, go and I will be your mouth and teach you what you shall say. Verse 13, um, Moses says, oh, my Lord, please send by the hand of whomever else you may send. Kind of sounding familiar when we try to get out of the things that we don't necessarily want to do or believe that we can do. Well, reading verse 14, the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. So God is not happy with what is happening. And he says to Moses, is not Aaron the Levite your brother? I know that he can speak well. And look, he is also coming out to meet you. When he sees you, he will be glad in his heart. Even though Moses thinks that he can't do it, the Lord believes he can do it. He doesn't think he can do it. He's also saying, all right. Moses says, um, Aaron is coming. Aaron is going to meet you. And so Aaron will have a part to play. When they have this encounter, Moses is now 80. So he left Egypt at 40 and he spent 40 years in Jethro's house and tending the sheep and building a life there. And he has this encounter at 80 another 40 years later, and now he's about to go to Pharaoh. So 80 is not retirement age. 80 is still, you are still able and available to do the work of God. God believes it. So we should as well. So Moses goes to his father-in-law Jethro, and he asks permission to leave and sharing what he is going to do. And and his father-in-law says, yes, go in peace. Now, one of the things we also, we also read is that it was the time to go because everybody who sought the life of Moses was now dead. So God uh, gave him an opportune time. God waited for a specific time for him to be able to return and do what he was already destined to do. And in verse 21, we read, And the Lord said to Moses, When you go back to Egypt, see that you do all those wonders before Pharaoh, which I have put in your hand. But I will harden his heart, so that he will not let the people go. Then you shall say to Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord, Israel is my son, my firstborn. So I say to you, let my son go, that he may serve me. But if you refuse to let him go, indeed, I will kill your son, your firstborn. Wow. Hear what the Lord is saying. So he knows off the bat that this is going to be an interesting journey because he says to Moses, I will harden Pharaoh's heart. There's a purpose behind all the plagues and all the different things that um, strike Egypt. And we continue on from verse 24. And it came to pass on the way that at the encampment that the Lord met him and sought to kill him. Moses, the one he's sending to to Egypt to meet Pharaoh, the deliverer. God wants to kill Moses. Why? Because Moses did not circumcise his son. And so right there, the wife does it. Now, remember the importance of circumcision all the way back to Abraham. That was the sign of the covenant. The wife, Zipporah, she circumcises the son and God is appeased. All right. So we continue on 
God has said to Aaron to go into the wilderness to meet Moses and they, they meet and they have this great um, embrace and Moses tells Aaron all the words of the Lord and what he has said and all the signs that he has commanded them. Verse 29 says this, then Moses and Aaron went and gathered together all the elders of the children of Israel and Aaron the, the mouthpiece of Moses, because Moses says he couldn't speak, Aaron spoke all the words which the Lord had spoken to Moses. So important for you to know, Aaron is not God's spokesperson. Aaron is Moses's spokesperson. Moses still remains God's spokesperson. And so he did all the signs in the sight of the people. Remember, he told him the rod, the leprous hand, and all of that. And the people believed. And when they had heard, verse 31 says that, when they had heard that the Lord had visited the children of Israel and that he had looked on their affliction, then they bowed their heads and worshiped. Isn't that the right response to God's intervention to worship? So now the elders know, the people of Israel know, and it is time to encounter Pharaoh. Afterward, Moses and Aaron went in and told Pharaoh. I have to pause right there even to get an audience with the Pharaoh that that was a move of God. They go in to meet Pharaoh and here's what they say. Thus says the Lord God of Israel, let my people go that they may hold a feast to me in this in the wilderness. And so this, wow, you need courage to be able to confront the Pharaoh. Because if you look at ancient Egypt and their practices, anyone can just walk in and just, you know, talk to Pharaoh however they want to say whatever they want. They couldn't that, do that. To get an audience with the Pharaoh was an important thing. And it was protocol of how you had to carry yourself. And here's Pharaoh's response in verse two. Who is the Lord that I should be, obey his voice to let Israel go? I do not know the Lord, nor will I let Israel go. Remember, Pharaoh is seen as a god himself. And now another god is challenging his authority and challenging how he does things. And verse three, the God of the Hebrews has met with us. Please let us go three days journey into the desert and sacrifice to the Lord our God lest he fall upon us with pestilence or with sword. And I just love the way they say our God, because the God of the Hebrews is not the gods of Egypt. So they make that distinction. And now it's, that's very also treacherous in the eyes of Pharaoh, because now they're claiming an authority that is not uh, Pharaoh or the gods that he, he endorses. And so verse four says, and the king of Egypt said to them, Moses and Aaron, why do you take the people from their work? Get back to your labor. He decides that the slaves are to work, work harder because they need to fulfill their daily quota of making bricks, but they will not have straw. They will not be given straw. Now they have to get their own straw. So he's adding to their burden in response to Moses and Aaron coming to him. Verse 15 says, then the officers of the children of Israel, so now the elders, they come and cry out to Pharaoh. They don't go to Moses, they cry to Pharaoh because this is the life they know. This is the life that they have become accustomed to. And they say to Pharaoh, why are you dealing thus with your servants? 
So they're submitting to him one time. And there is no straw given to your servants, and they say to us, make brick. And indeed, your servants are beaten, but the fault is in your own people. So they go to Pharaoh, and they want Pharaoh to have mercy upon them. So what do you think happens next? Well, when they come out from Pharaoh, they meet Moses and Aaron, and they say to them, look, let the Lord look on you and judge, because you have made us abhorrent in the sight of Pharaoh and in the sight of his servants, to put a sword in their hand to kill us. God speaks to Moses, Moses speaks to the, to the elders and he speaks to the Israelites, shows them the signs, sh tells them the words of the Lord, and they believe and they worship. Then the, the action starts to play out. Aaron and Moses go to Pharaoh. Pharaoh pays them no respect and increases the burden of the people. And now the people are upset with Moses and Aaron. You know, even as I, I read this and reread it, I see our our own behavior in the story at times, you know, and I, I thank God for his mercy. And I thank God that even in his plan, he takes into consideration how we sometimes doubt and how we sometimes can turn our backs on the very thing that he's sending to deliver us. They turn on Moses and Aaron and Moses, what does he do? Well, he goes to God and he says to the Lord, why have you brought trouble on this people? They were in trouble already, right? But he says, why have you brought trouble on this people? Why is it that you have sent me? You know, I feel for Moses in this moment. For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has done evil to this people. Neither have you delivered your people at all. But remember, God had said to Moses, yes, maybe in the awe and the ma majesty of the encounter. He didn't really get everything, but God had already said to Moses that, listen, Pharaoh is not going to deliver them except for a mighty hand, that he was going to harden Pharaoh's heart. So this was part of what God had already said. But in our humanity, in our humanness, sometimes we miss it. We miss it. And God, in speaking to Moses, renews his promise to Israel. He renews his promise to Israel and he reminds Moses of what he has said that he will do.